Hey, this is Isabel. Before we get started, this is your weekly plea to please consider supporting Borderline and becoming a member on Patreon. You can join at borderlinepod.com or look for Borderline on Patreon. Becoming a member gives you extra content and extra access and allows me to keep doing this and cover all the costs. A special shout out to new members Anna Milicevic and Jacqueline Walton. Thank you so much. That's it. That's all the advertising you get this week. Now on with the episode. Living here is a choice that people before me made because it makes sense and I can make a different choice. Hi, I'm Isabel Hogan and this is Borderline. We have a different kind of episode today. I'm going to be talking to a global citizen like all of us about her experiences. Now, I can nerd out forever about policy. I love interviewing authors and reporting out big stories. But I also love to simply chat with people about their lives. And I'm a big believer in representation. I want to show as many faces of global citizenship as I can. So in between the big stories, I'll alternate a series of life stories. I'm calling it Border Lives because why waste a good pun? And I'm starting with friends who are generous guinea pigs. But if you want to share your story of global citizenship, please get in touch. You'll find me at borderlinepod.com. Now, meet Janet Mata. She's an American friend living in Seattle. We moved to Australia around the same time in 2014, and that's when we met. A couple weeks ago, she texted me that she and her family had decided to leave the United States. They just can no longer take what the country has become. So started a conversation about what we owe to the places that we're from and what home even means. Her story echoes interestingly with last week's conversation with Wade Davis, so I recommend you listen to that first if you haven't. Now let's hear from Janet. Hello, friend. Hello, how are you? You know, like 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Acceptable, I guess. I am better than the start of the year. So there has been progress. So that's how I measure it is there are deeper depths than the ones that I'm in right now. I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I, you know, I think I broke last week. I think I just snapped. I sort of hit a new level. <laughs> I discovered the basement last week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was on the ground floor and like, no, there was a level below that. We just, we had all of this smoke and it was really horrible. I was just feeling like you can't go anywhere indoors because of COVID and you can't go anywhere outdoors because the air is not safe. And, and on top of that, I got this, it sounds really minor, but, and it's really quite stupid. I got this healthcare bill. It was $171, but it was, it was, it was for an emergency room visit and I'd already paid the copay. And I was just this, this like needle in the balloon of everything about our life here is not working. It was, it's just feeling like, okay, the COVID is being mismanaged. There's no end in sight. I can't go outside. Granted, that's not necessarily the government's fault, right? It's just global warming. I've got this stupid bill that is, you know, I'm being charged interest on is going to collections this week from the healthcare, you know, it's just too much. I just, and I felt, I feel like I've really, I feel now like I did right before I moved to Australia. I have this sense of like enough, I'm done. Like I've just 
this is the time to, this is the time to go. That's sort of the last little thing. I didn't mean to really jump into our conversation. No, it's so great. Quickly, but... I mean, it's recording and you're already like, you're giving me gold already. So we're just going to, we're just going to keep going with it. That's interesting because it sounds like what's motivating you. It's not where you're going to, it's what you're leaving from, which is one kind of motivation for, for global citizens to, to go somewhere else. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about like push factors and pull factors, right? In most cases, there's a little bit of both. And one is sort of the larger, the larger influence. And I think when I originally moved to Australia, it was a, there was a pull factor. I'd had this connection to the country for a really long time. I'd always wanted to live there. I'd visited many times. And then I sort of had this golden opportunity. I found myself really free and unencumbered and I was ready to leave my job. And that was the moment to jump and go to Australia. This time feels very different. This is, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> it feels much, much more like this isn't, this isn't home. I feel like a stranger in my own country in a way that I've, I've, I've never felt this profoundly before. And it's time, it's just time to leave. Um, wow. That's, that's super powerful. I, I, I was wondering about that because uh, as you know, my last episode was kind of about what's going on with America and I'm feeling it in, in one particular way as someone who loves America, but it's not my home. It's one of my homes because I've got a few, but it's not the home. And so I wonder what it feels like to be American right now. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question for me because I've always had a multi-identity as an American. I lived in Germany as a child for three years. I, my family is very international. My mom has three passports. My grandparents immigrated to the U.S. from Australia and the U.K. And we've always, I think I was raised with this sense of global participation and like we chose my family chose this country because it made sense for them at the time. I don't have a sense of, a particularly strong sense of loyalty as an American, but at the same time, I think much like many people who have a national identity or a strong national identity of any kind, anytime I go away, I'm very acutely aware of the fact that I don't belong in my new country either. So I went to university in Canada, and I remember feeling really surprised by the fact that many of my um, peers who are Canadian, you know, were sort of taking these little jabs at me for being American. I hadn't, I've never been used to that before. I'd never really experienced that. And then moving to Australia and, and living in Australia, I was at least prepared for that a little bit more. But, you know, you're an outsider living overseas as an American. So I think there's this, this kind of combined sense of, for me, feeling a lot of sadness and grief really over what's happened here and the way I feel about living here, what my home has become and the fact that I don't feel like I can raise children here and that this is my past, but it's not my future. There's grief around that, but there's also quite a natural sense for me of recognizing that I, I have the whole world and that this is, living here is a choice that people before me made because it makes sense and I can make a different choice. 
That's really powerful. I, I'm struck that you were telling me that like, oh, I don't know if I really qualify as a global citizen for your, for your thing. You know, I've only like been in Australia for a few years, which I guess we should say to listeners is where we met. Do you actually have an incredible global background, which I'd forgotten about, just like all the roots of your family. And that's interesting, that, that idea that being American in a way is a choice that somebody else made for you and you get to make a different choice now not not that the thing is when you when you move when you live somewhere else you're st- you're always going to be american and in a way even if you gave up that passport which some people choose to do it's still your your culture right yeah i think that that's really it's an interesting thing as a as an expat or as a person who has lived in multiple countries, and you'll certainly, I'm sure, feel this too, it's you sort of carry this rooted identity with you wherever you go, or this base identity with you. But the fact that it doesn't fully fit fit you when you live there, it also doesn't fully translate to where you go next, um, I think is both a uh, blessing and a curse, maybe. You sort of carry carry this identity with you wherever you go. It's like wearing your being a hermit crab, right? You wear your shell on your back, but you're never quite going to feel the same sense of at home anywhere else. I think there's both like being at home everywhere and yet being at home nowhere. Sort of the paradox, I think, of, of being a global citizen or being a person who moves between countries and feels like they need to leave their home or want to leave their home for some reason. Mm-hmm. And for you, so you lived in Germany. How old were you? We moved over there when I was five years old, and we moved back when I was eight. So we spent three years. My dad was a civilian working for the U.S. Navy on a military base in Munich, and so we lived there for for three years. My parents just took the opportunity to spend some time abroad, and then we moved back to the U.S., and I lived there until... I went away to university and when I was making choices about university, I knew I wanted to leave Washington state where I'm from. And my grandmother's brother um, had been a professor at Queens University in Ontario and suggested to me, not necessarily Queens where I actually ended up going, but said, look at the schools in Canada because they're sort of a hidden gem, much less expensive to attend even for international students really high quality education, relatively close to home. And so I toured several and applied to several and ultimately chose to go to Queens and spent four years in Canada. So I'm interested in those early years in Germany because in a way you talked about how you you don't really fully fit in the US anymore, but you also will never fit wherever you go. And I think that's the curse of, and the blessing, but sometimes really the curse of the, of the global citizen, right? Is there's, there's no single identity that really can carry you anymore. And I think the first time you go abroad and you decide to live abroad, like for me, I was 17. You don't really, you don't realize until it's too late, quote unquote, what it is that you're breaking. But in a way, when you leave as a child, that decision is made for you anyway, right? I, and, I, and I wonder how you think about that now that you're thinking about moving and you have two beautiful boys who are, I think they're like two under two, which is a handful, <laughs> hats off. So yeah, how you think about making that choice for them now? 
Yeah, that's occurred to me. You know, I, I've often thought this is part of my sadness. I think about knowing that we will leave is where will my children's identity rest? Where will they feel that they're from? And I don't know the answer to that question. It's very possible that they, they will feel that they're from Seattle, from Washington state, that they are inherently American, that there's something about them that is American, but it's also possible that they will carry that passport and know nothing about what it is to be American because we'll be moving when they're two and two or three years old, the older one and the younger one will be under two years old and they won't remember living here. So in some ways it's, I can, I can release myself from guilt or stress or anxiety about what they will feel because I truly don't know what that will be. And my intention is to be able to give them a home that is safe and holds their future and exposes them to amazing new opportunities. We've talked a lot about choosing a location where they can feel part of the world and not just um, part of one country where they have opportunities to attend university overseas in other places or work internationally and being able to, to give them that we certainly couldn't do that here, I don't think. We could adequately provide them with those opportunities in a way that we could if we moved elsewhere. And that's, that maybe end up, may end up being part of their identity core. We'll see. Yeah, I guess that's a journey they'll have to make themselves. Right. Yeah, I think I look back on my parents' decision to move us overseas, even for a short period of time, as a huge gift because it just showed us, showed me what was possible. It, it showed me, and I've been uh, kind of forever raised with this sense of you can live anywhere. That's a privilege that I have for sure, based on the means that we have, but, but also it's a, it's a psychological mindset, I think. And that was a result of having lived abroad as a child. Mm. How does your husband think about this? Has he lived abroad or is this brand new to him? This is brand new to him. He loves to travel. He and I went to Europe together um, before we were married and New Zealand together. And he's been many places, but this is a much scarier proposition for him. I think it comes really easily for me to, to say, well, this is no longer working. We're, I'm happy to just go find another place to live. For him, I think he worries a lot about losing, losing his roots. Family is here, friends are here. And I think he feels a bit more apprehensive about the, the, the changes that will come to life living overseas. That said, uh, well, and also I think he's a bit more risk averse than I am. I think I'm, I'm a bit more willing to jump into something with both feet. Um, but I think he, he also, especially since we've had children, he feels very strongly motivated by the idea of giving them a better life and being able to give them options and give them choices. And we know that we can do that. And he knows that we can do that if we move. Yeah, which has been the motivation of immigrants for generations, right? I think we just never really pictured it as coming from, you know, comfortable white Americans uh, 
think that's a great irony in many ways, right? I mean, I am I am quite literally the product of of immigrants. My it's my mom's side of the family that's most international that have come here most recently, but my dad's side of the family is Slovak and they so my great grandparents immigrated from Slovakia absolutely to find a better life, to get jobs in the coal mines and be part of the industrialization of America. And it's so ironic that just a couple of generations later, first of all, the coal jobs are all completely gone. The area of Pennsylvania that they migrated to is tremendously economically depressed. And here we are saying that America no longer serves us and looking back to many of the countries in Europe where they came from as potentially a place where we could offer our children a better life. It's really quite interesting. In some ways it's sad, but in some ways it's also sort of just a natural cycle, isn't it? I think we move for opportunities for ourselves and for opportunities for our children. But if the place that you've moved to is no longer serving you and what you need in order to have a good life, then it makes sense to look elsewhere, I think. Was there any point in time where you thought, okay, the U.S. isn't working right now and I want to stay and help change it from the inside? And, and, and if so, at what point does that break and you're like, I can't do that anymore. We need to move on. I think I have thought a number of times about what I could do. And I think at this stage, what I struggle with in terms of the impact that I could have is knowing that I have children and knowing that my personality and how I like to be involved in, in my community or in politics, the, the biggest way that I can realistically be involved is by voting and potentially by being active in my community. I think at this point, what I've realized is that the challenges that we're facing in the U.S. and as people living in the U.S. are so much deeper than who's in power politically. We're experiencing a really deep threat to democracy in this country that we haven't really seen prior to the last four years. And there, there's much more there that needs to be changed that I don't have a lot of power over changing. And I have a lot of just deep respect for my peers and colleagues who are able to give it their all and dedicate their careers or their lives to making change for this country. But I personally don't feel like there's enough that I could do to make it worthwhile to dedicate that amount of time or energy to change. My husband had often joked a couple of years ago about how we should move, but we should move to North Carolina because our votes would count more there as liberal voters. And we'd have more of an opportunity to influence our neighbors rather than living in liberal Seattle where, I mean, our votes matter, of course, but not to the degree that they would if we were a minority in a very conservative state. That's a big commitment to make to literally define your entire life by the power of your vote or the power of your activism. I think that's, that's the catch, right? Is how much can you, or do you want, and this is a very individual decision, how much do you want to 
live for the possibility of something better and potentially make great personal sacrifices in the interim while you're trying to affect that change. And I think people really all over the world have, have in countries that need change and need improvement have made those choices. Do you send your children to the poor public school because you want to support the public school system and potentially sacrifice the quality of their education in doing that? Do you live in the economically depressed city and work hard to make it better and start a business there and, and kind of battle uphill, hoping and, and working for long-term change, but making huge personal sacrifices in the process? I don't think that we are at a place where we're comfortable with the degree of sacrifice required to continue to work for change. I think there are things that we can continue to do, like vote from overseas and know that we're protecting our family and just having a greater base level of happiness and community and joy and satisfaction for us as well. Mm -hmm. I'm really struck by how much it echoes what I might hear from friends in the Lebanese diaspora, the Iranian diaspora, the, you know, all these big diasporas overseas who, you know, love, love home, but either didn't have opportunities there or just got so tired of fighting that they decided to, to go. And obviously it's, it's the, it's the better off who tend to go first because they have more opportunities to, to do so. Yeah. I recognize, I remember back when Trump was first elected, there was, there were a flurry of Americans, right, who, who at least talked about moving overseas, sort of saying, I can no longer live in this country. And I remember a friend of mine posting something on Facebook about how he wished he, you would just keep that to yourself if you were a person who wanted to move overseas or felt like you had to do that, because it's an incredibly privileged thing to be able to move out of a country that you um, don't feel you want to be part of. And he's right, you know, where I'm very aware of the fact that my upbringing means that, and the financial position that we're in means that we have the option to go elsewhere. And lots of people don't. But I also feel like there's a degree of putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on others that I think we're experiencing. Of We've watched our mental health deteriorate. We've watched our physical health deteriorate. I feel a level of anxiety and stress about the, the possibilities and the success and the health and the well-being of our children. And I would like to heal those things before I do anything else. And I think for us, the likelihood is that we will experience that degree of healing. We will feel healthier. We will feel more at ease. We'll experience different stressors. But if we can separate and go away and we may come back or we may become active in trying to make this place better, or we may invest fully in a different community overseas and try to make that place better. But I think there is a, a we're feeling this necessity of taking care of ourselves first. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. I kind of decided over the past I don't know when it was exactly, but sometime maybe over the past year, before COVID actually already, that um, I couldn't live in the States again. 
and so so I understand where it's coming from, and it's and it's much bigger than the current president. Mm-hmm. There's the racism and the violence and the healthcare and the and the individualism kind of piling up to a to a level that makes me feel very European, which is interesting because I was extremely Americanized in my twenties, and that just kind of dissipated. Yeah, I think you said something in in the podcast with David Wade that really resonated for me around Wade Davis. Um, Wade Davis sorry. <laughs> no, just for the listeners. It was Wade Davis. Thank you. Wade <laughs> Davis. That was around the individualism in America is this wonderful thing that attracts people to American culture and is this thing that helps actually America succeed and Americans succeed this this individual drive and in the sense that anything is possible, I think is what you said. And I resonate with that completely. That's absolutely true. It's one thing I love about this country and the culture here. But it's also the same thing that provides this incredibly toxic environment of not taking care of the people around you, not feeling like you have support, and really individualism to a, a fault, really feeling like everyone has to fight for their own. Um, and that's not a community I want to be a part of. And I'd be happy to sacrifice a little bit of that sense of possibility and individual freedom in order to to know that my community was being taken care of. And I feel ready to make that trade-off. So where are you looking to make that trade-off? What countries appeal? Yeah, well, my mom is just in two weeks moving to New Zealand to retire with her husband. So they are packing up their things and getting on a plane to go to Christchurch. So because of that family connection, that's probably our first choice at this stage. We've done quite a bit of research on what that would involve. So that's top of the list for sure. I um, have dual citizenship in the UK, so we've been looking at Scotland as a possibility and Ireland as well. And then just um, for fun, I was doing a bit of a bit of web searching yesterday and there turns out are many European countries that are quite friendly and, and warm places to live. So we may find ourselves adding Austria and Switzerland and Estonia and Portugal to the list. But I think for, for right now, it's New Zealand followed by Scotland and Ireland. Are you going with a mindset of like, you're making a new forever life there? Or are you thinking, yeah, a couple years and we'll see? Very much as a forever life. We have a vision of having just a little bit of land and a very modest house and chickens and a place for kids to run and a real connection to a community, um, a small city. And I think that vision and that lifestyle could carry us well into retirement. We do own a little tiny piece of land here just outside of Seattle. My husband is building um, a cabin on it from scratch. It's sort of a bucket list item for him to, to build a cabin just all by himself. We'll continue to own that piece of property and hopefully be able to come back and visit frequently. So I think there will be a part of us that always is still connected to Washington State and the U.S., regardless of where we go. But in terms of our day-to-day life, I think we're very, very committed to the idea of going somewhere permanently. For sure. I mean, never say never, but. You know, the image that immediately came up when you talked about the life that you envision 
is is the homesteaders, mm-hmm. a family in a wagon, going west and finding a bit of land in a community and and making it home. It is, I find it very poetic that there's there's that connection again to the American frontier and and something that is very American, in fact. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of of looking at it, right? This idea of going west. Um, and in fact, if we go to New Zealand, we will be heading west <laughs> in our, our covered wagon slash aluminum airplane. Yeah, I think what's so interesting is the, the the contrasts in American culture, right? Like we are this culture of individualism and hard driving, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, every person for themselves. But we're also a land of immigrants, a land of people who are opportunists, who have inherently come from somewhere else, who have been flexible and risk-taking and have made a new life for themselves without loyalty to a previous country or home. And what's evolved here is, is those cultural elements, but in a really different way that you get the feeling living in the United States right now that the dominant culture is very loyal to our president and very loyal to sort of this American ethic of freedom and self-righteousness and that we've forgotten some of those those early roots of immigration and freedom from oppression for sure but but in a way it's sort of just those things taken to an extreme like the the roots of all that culture is still there. And so maybe it's interesting to think about being an American, leaving America as actually a very American thing to do, <laughs> to leave America. It's It's not only an American that would think to do that, but I think there is something about the American culture that teaches us or shows us that there's this possibility of doing something different. I think that's a good note to end on. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think you're just continuing a very different kind of, what, what is it they call it? Manifest destiny. Yeah. Um, the, less, the less racist and colonialist version of that, if that exists. <laughs> so I wish, yeah, I wish you and your boys the 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 grown one and the two little ones <laughs> um, all all the all the best in this adventure i think you're going to thrive thank you thank you i really appreciate hearing that it's uh yeah it's i mean it just feels feels like the right thing to do i remember people asking me when i moved to australia are you excited and if you were to ask me today are you excited for your move i would say the same thing i said then And that is, excitement isn't really the right word. I feel sort of duty bound. This is something I have to do. It's something I am looking forward to in many ways, but I'm also sad that I have to do it. But it's, I'm more driven by this sense of this is a necessity. It's not something I'm doing for fun. Is it the duty to yourself, to your kids? Like who's the duty to? I think to myself and my children, for sure. I believe really strongly in it's important to live authentically. And if you feel like you're not living in accordance with your values, you should change that. 
and I am not living a life. The life that we have here is not in alignment with the things that we value. We value community and equity and support. And we can certainly demonstrate those things in our own life, but we're not surrounded by those things. We're fighting an uphill battle on that. We value good education and health. And, and so I think there's that side of the duty to myself. I have to change the thing that isn't right for me, but also to my kids. I know that statistically speaking, they're more likely to be anxious, depressed, overweight here than they are anywhere else in, in the places that we're considering moving to. And so it feels like setting them up for success if we choose a different option. Thank you so much for opening up and, and yeah. things that are very personal. I think I'm just going to publish this. I'm not going to cut a minute of it. I'm just going to hit publish. It's going to be an easy episode. <laughs> so, Oh, good. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, I love, I love talking about you and I could talk about this stuff for, for hours and hours and hours, right? And in fact, we did, but I think you have enough. Janet is continuing a long American tradition, starting over somewhere new, not just for herself, but for the next generation. She also illustrates that the choices of previous generations don't have to bind us. Our own children, or their children, might continue the journey, go west again, until perhaps they find themselves in the very home that their ancestors left in their name. I want to thank Janet Mata for sharing a very personal perspective. If you do have stories of global citizenship to share, please get in touch at borderlinepod.com. Oh, guess what? I've launched a second podcast. It's actually a French version of Borderline. About a quarter of you listening are from my first home, from France, and so I wanted to have something for you and to get a chance to speak French a little bit. I'll be publishing translated and edited versions of the conversations that we have here on Borderline but also content that is exclusive to the French version. I'm especially keen on kind of explaining what's going on in the English-speaking world in the US, in the UK, in Australia sometimes, and beyond to a French audience who's sometimes a little bit confused about what's going on over here. So that's Borderline La VF, and you can find it on all your usual podcasting platforms. I'll be sharing it out as well, as well as on borderlinepod.com. I hope you'll enjoy it. Please let me know what you think whether you're a French listener or perhaps even someone trying to learn the language. Please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. And to support the making of Borderline, please consider becoming a member on Patreon. You'll get extra content and access and much gratitude. Again, that's all at borderlinepod.com. I'm your host, Isabel Hogal. Music is by Diala. Borderline is a one-lane bridge production. Talk to you next week. Thank you.